0: Right, well, even before I read the scriptures, let's just give our regular welcome team a round of applause, can we? Thank you very much for all that you do for us on a regular basis. But uh, small groups have met for some while doing a course called Everybody Welcome. And we will feed back in September to the whole congregation your perspectives on what it's like to be welcomed here. And in the process of that, we will develop a second welcome team who won't greet people as they come in, but will embrace them and draw them in uh, whilst they're in the service. They won't kiss them on the forehead or anything like that, you know, but it could become a new thing. Uh, we won't be doing that, but we will sort of draw people in and catch them at those moments where it's a bit tricky. And uh, we very much want to get over the message that welcome is all our responsibility. So... Uh, The passage of scripture I'm going to read, if you'd like to have it open, it's on page 973 in the New Testament, and it's the calling of Matthew. Calling of Matthew, chapter 9, and beginning to read at verse 9, quite a short passage. So as Jesus went out from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does the teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Uh, On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, so over the summer, we're doing a sermon series that looks not at what Jesus said, though we are going to look at what Jesus said, but how he lived, how he behaved, so that we might see how we, in turn, might behave. And I've just got four images I'm going to show you and see if you get the gist of what they're pointing towards. First one. Any ideas? I'll give you another go. That's a supper for the homeless. That's a good scoff. And that's a party. So, what's it all about then? I'll help you out. Jesus likened the kingdom of heaven as an invitation to a party. He, like me, had a passion for food because he talked about it all the time. And everybody was invited to the party that Jesus extended, including the homeless, the destitute, and the baddens. And at the very last slide I showed you, let's go to that. This is where he'd invited, someone had invited everybody to a party and the in crowd had, too busy. We'd love to come, honest, but too busy. So he said, go out into the highways and byways and beckon everybody in. Now, the story we've heard today from the Gospel of Matthew is about a man called Matthew. And we discover that he later is described in chapter 10 as one of the apostles. And he's called to follow Jesus in the passage I've read to you. And we can learn so much for it. In verse 9 of this passage, Jesus was walking along. In another verse, and it says, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And then Jesus uh, gave him a simple invitation follow me. And it says, and without thinking twice, Matthew gets up and starts to follow Jesus. So through an invitation and a welcome, a simple call leads to a simple and straightforward response. We don't know what motivated Matthew to follow Jesus. Perhaps he'd heard the preaching of Jesus and seen some of his early miracles that drew him on. We don't know But Jesus called and invited and welcomed, and Matthew became a follower. And then the story unfolds, and there are four brief points to this sermon. The first three, you'll get the flow. Stick till the final one, because it's a sting in the tail. And the first concerns the hospitality of Jesus. As he sat at dinner in the house, and it says here Matthew's house, it doesn't say that elsewhere, we read this. As he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. Now, whose house was Jesus in? Our particular version says it was Matthew's own house. But elsewhere, it doesn't say that. It definitely doesn't say that. It's quite an ambiguous statement We can't be sure, but there's no hint, apart from what it says in this funny version, that Jesus went to Matthew's house. Something else was going on. In Matthew 9, verse 1, the Gospel writer tells us that Jesus came to his own town. And we're not talking here Nazareth. That's where he was when he grew up. We find from Mark 4 that actually he lived in Capernaum, where most of his ministry happened. And it seems that Jesus either had a house there as an adult or lodged there, possibly with people like Peter and a few others. But the idea was that in this story I've just told you, Jesus hosted the event. And I think this story only makes sense if Jesus is seen as behaving as the host The Welcomer, because it seems that a central point of the story is that Jesus always welcomes sinners and outcasts on every occasion. He offers them hospitality. I want you to let that sink in. Shock, horror, church. Jesus is absolutely at home, quite literally, with sinners and outcasts and those on the margins. So much so that he was often the cause of offence to religious types. I wonder if you would be offended by Jesus. That's such an important message for us, that Jesus offers hospitality with us, regardless of who we are, regardless of what a mess we've been in in the past, of how confused and chaotic our present circumstances. Jesus does not judge and condemn us. Instead, he invites us home. He wants to be the host and to share himself with us and invites us to share ourselves with him. Something of beauty and the beast coming in there. Hospitality is at the very heart of God's relationship with us. And that's why hospitality is such an essential spiritual gift. If you say to me, John, I could never preach. I could never be a church warden. I could never stand at the front. But I could run a coffee morning. I could invite people round at my home. But it's not the same, is it? Hospitality is a wonderful spiritual gift. Jesus had it. And it's supposed to be the very essence of the life of his church. Our God is a hospitable God. And we are called to be a hospitable church where everyone feels welcomed. Hint here, there are new people in church today. And there are normally new people in church at Aldridge most weeks. Let me read that line again. Our God is a hospitable God and we are called to be a hospitable church. And what is at the heart of such a hospitable approach? It's simply this. Jesus embraced people with unconditional love, just as they are. And that's My next point. Jesus accepted people as they are. Now you might be starting to feel a bit uncomfortable if you get in the drift of this sermon. One of the most fascinating things for me about this story in, in Matthew's Gospel is not what is written here, but what is not written. What Jesus did. And what isn't written is that at no point did Jesus ask any of his guests at this point to change. He just accepted them as they are. And I want you to think about the people whom he was having to do with as his guests. First, there's Matthew himself. So let me tell you about Matthew. He was a tax collector, not the sort you and I have to live with, who are meant to do it according to the rules, but the sort who, because he worked for the Romans, had to make most of his income by diddling the people who paid tax to him. Tax collectors were not popular. So Matthew would have been socially and morally corrupt. He would have made his living out of diddling you and me. And at this point, Jesus doesn't ask him to change. If it was Matthew's house, Jesus was happy to go there. And if it was Jesus' house, he was happy to have a socially and morally corrupt person as his guest. Second, we're told in verse 10, that there are sinners at the dinner table. Now, that's not quite as it sounds. Sinners were those who were really outside of God's people. They might have been baddens, and Jesus certainly related to people whose lifestyle and morals were totally and utterly dodgy. But sinners is a broader phrase than that. Jesus is hanging out with them. And there's the bit you might struggle with, enjoying their company. Enjoying the company of sinners. He doesn't at this stage ask them to change. He doesn't refuse to eat with them until they've repented. Jesus just accepts them as they are and loves them as they are. Thirdly, we're told again in verse 10 that Jesus' disciples are at the dinner, and again, Jesus is perfectly comfortable with that too. Now, there are churches who either consciously or subconsciously encourage their members only to mix with other Christians, to live in some sort of holy huddle, as if mixing socially with non-Christians will somehow infect our spirituality. But the way Jesus lived is the exact opposite. He is quite happy to host a dinner party for tax collectors and sinners. And while he's there, he invites the church along just so that the church, the disciples, can learn to relate to people who know nothing of Jesus and the life of his family. And that's a profound lesson in all that for us as individuals and as a church. I think about the kind of hospitality we show to others. Now, we are normal here at Aldridge. Relatively normal. And that means that like all normal people, we prefer to mix with people like us. Fair? The life of Jesus, his lifestyle, challenges all of that. If we want to be a church that only really welcomes, I mean, we let anybody in, but only really welcomes people who are like us, we've got a problem with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's easy for a church to welcome people in on the condition that they become like us, we don't mind you being different. You can be weird if you like. As long as eventually you become like us. You can come and you can bring your kids, as long as they behave, straight off, just as we want. That'll do. You can come to the Lord's table as long as you and your family change and you play Straight away, please, or as quickly as you possibly can, by our rules. The hospitality that Jesus showed is radically different. Everybody is welcomed. Everybody is loved. Nobody at this stage is asked to change in order to fit in and receive their place in the family. Of course, let's be honest, that would have been really, really difficult. And we must not underestimate it must have been a bit of a strange do around that dinner table. I've shown you nice pictures of happy parties. Sometimes being God's family and being open to welcoming everybody stretches our imagination, our sympathies, our view of things because we have a God Who is extraordinarily hospitable. And Jesus calls us to be the same. What must it have been like? What must the tax collector have felt like? On the margins, he's looking at them and thinking to himself, How much have I diddled them in the last six months? The sinners would have been looking at the disciples, thinking, Their lives and their faith look so together. I could never be like them. And the disciples would have been looking at the tax collector and the sinners thinking, why is Jesus hanging out with people like that? Can't he see that we're the ones who are serious about the faith, not them? They're only here for one thing, to get some dinner, and when they've had all that and everything they've eaten, they'll just leave and might never come back. Now, Let's have a party for a moment in our minds. Let's sit round that dinner table. How do you feel? How does it feel to be sat around a dinner table with Jesus at the host and the oddest mixture of people you could ever pull together? That's Jesus' idea of church. might not be my idea of church, nor yours, but that's what he had in mind. What would Jesus be thinking of doing as he welcomed Matthew in the way that he did? His hospitality was clearly open to everyone without judgment, without preconditions, without any sense of frustration that they might be taken for a ride. The hospitality of Christ is for everyone, no matter what. And I want to ask this morning, what kind of church would Jesus belong to? And would you want to belong to his church too? If I've read Matthew's Gospel right, This is the one that gets you right there. It is a very different approach to many churches. So the third point. Jesus cuts through the grumbling of religious types. This seems like a very small point in the story, but I think it's important all the same for every church in every generation at all times. Verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? For the Pharisees, outsiders looking in, this was a very disturbing dinner party to watch through the window. And to be fair to them, you can't blame them for feeling as they did. The Pharisees were known as a purity sect. They believed that they needed to remain absolutely pure and untainted if they were to have access to a relationship with God. So you've got to get rid of anything that could spoil that. Absolutely anything has to go. You can't eat and drink with sinners in case they taint you. But what I think is more important here is what they did with their complaint. They didn't go to Jesus and ask him why he ate with tax collectors and sinners. Instead, we read, they went to the disciples and started questioning them. The Pharisees were grumbling and so in discontent throughout the community of the Lord Jesus. It was a kind of passive-aggressive behavior. It goes on, so I'm not having a go at you here, it goes on in every church. If people don't like what is happening, they very often go to the minister, or if you haven't got a minister, the leadership. Instead, they grumble behind the leadership's back. They sow discontent in the community. How much healthier it is when we're unhappy with something that's going on around us, that we talk directly to the wider leadership. And of course, Jesus knew exactly what was happening anyway, as he always does. And in verse 12, but when he heard this, Jesus said, he heard about the grumbling, and rather than passing a message back through the disciples, he tackled the issue head on. So let's me have a look at that verse. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. There is something about the gospel of the kingdom the notion of the invitation to God's party that reminds us as a church that we don't even exist for ourselves. We should never worry about whether we're enjoying the worship ever. But we should be worried about whether those coming in are being helped to know God. We should never worry about whether the church is meeting my needs. We should always be concerned whether the church is reaching out to those who are not part of the church. And as we do that, oddly, the church's needs start to be met. But never to start there. So what have we got so far? I'm coming to that fourth point. Firstly, Jesus' radical hospitality is for everybody. Secondly, Jesus doesn't set preconditions as to who can come in and receive his hospitality. Thirdly, Jesus is challenging the church, which wants to draw a line around everything all the time. And fourthly and finally, the religiosity all around him was overcome by mercy and by grace. The Pharisees were hot on religious practice, but weak on the heart of their faith, which was about grace and mercy. They had twisted the law so that it no longer throbbed with the heartbeat of a God who saves sinners and transforms lives. And where Israel failed in reaching out to a lost world, Jesus came up trumps and remodelled all it was that God had ever asked of his friends, which is to love God and to love others. And in the process to be changed and see others changed. And that's exactly what Jesus points out to them here in verse 13. It says in verse 13, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Note that Jesus said to the one, that's why you've got that image on the screen. He he said to the one thief crucified with him, the penitent one, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. No time for this guy to sort himself out. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today, grace and mercy at work, you will be with me in paradise. But he said it to only one of them. And the saying goes like this, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise so that none may despair. But he said it to only one so that none may presume. And the gospel is a challenging gospel that starts with an unconditional welcome from God. Then, as God begins to work with those whom he embraces in Christ. The expectation that there will be transformation and change in all of us. And that's not for the sinners and the outcasts. It's for the church. Those of us who've been embraced by the love of God, who have been Christians for 40 or 50 years, need to say, how is that love of Jesus? The love of beauty kissing the beast in me and still changing me. Grace calls for a response for salvation to be real. So if you've heard this sermon properly, it's profoundly challenging to any church the radical hospitality of Jesus that everybody's welcome. And some people would stop the sermon there And say that's all you need to say. But if you've been embraced by the love of Jesus, if He has touched your life, and if He's working on you, then you will change and you will go on changing as His grace does its work in your hearts. And when that happens, sinners become saints, vagabonds become agents of the kingdom. And true disciples move on to a faith which is costly and which involves celebration of the life that comes from God's embrace. And as I close, there's a thought. So what sort of church would Jesus have? And dare we put that poster had survived of APC.